0: I want to close out this series, and we've done so many conversations about resetting and just just in these areas, certain areas that we just say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. And you push that reset, you get it back to where it should be. And, and I, that's important with the home, it's important with the church that we talked about. It's our mindset, when it comes to our understanding of end times, we can get so distracted. So wait a minute, that, wait, what does the Bible say? When it comes to the end of the rapture of saying, man, that's not us and it's no big deal. And we're so far removed from that. And God says, watch, you need to be aware of these things. But this will be kind of a transitional message because I don't know where you're at. We've lost connection for so long as for the personal and seeing each other. And church is important because it's a place that we're able to connect to one another. The Bible talks about let us take notice of each other to be in each other's lives, if somebody slips or gets away. If you're not in church, I notice that. I can go after you. I can talk to you. I can call you back. I can encourage you. And I started thinking that maybe this season has been really good for you. For some people, you've gotten closer to God. You've read books. You've got more in your Bible. You've done Bible studies. You've reached out to people. Man, praise God for that, if that's the case. But I also know how our flesh is, and I know how Satan works. And it's easy to get pulled away. It's it's easy to, all of a sudden, maybe church was one of those tools that it kept you in check. And, and you know, that spiritual food that we need and that encouragement, that accountability. Also, all these things that God designed church to be. And then you step away from some of those things. And all of a sudden, you find yourself doing things that weren't good. And I know how it is when you're serving God and you know God sees you and we want to please God. And all of a sudden, we step into things that we shouldn't do. We get embarrassed. We, 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 there's spiritual warfare that happens in our mind. Like, why did I do that? Man, I can't believe that God still loves me. Or even this, where you start praying, you think, why am I doing this? I, God doesn't care. I, I've messed up so many times. Or maybe you've gotten into sexual sin or addictions or habits. Or you've broke relationships off with people. You've crossed lines. You, whatever it is. And it could be sin is, it, is something we all battle with. And I do know this, that the Bible is very clear that Satan works through these things. There's a lot of things Satan can't do to us. He can't take away our salvation. He, he has no power over God. But he sure can take the things that we do when we mess up. And he loves to throw them in our face. And he loves the spiritual warfare of messing with our minds. I, I want you to, in your Bibles to turn to Luke chapter 15. But I want to read a verse that just makes me think of this. There's a lot of descriptions of Satan in the Bible. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the last part of that, and he says, The accuser of our brethren is cast down, talking about Satan, which accused them before our God day and night. And you think about the accusers to charge them with an offense, to, 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 to bring up accusations constantly. That's what he does. And I know that he does that before God. And he says, did you see what he does? He did that with Job. He's very like, hey, what about this guy? But I think even with our lives, he takes what we've done, and then he sits there and says, wow, you're a great Christian. Wow, you, you sure did blow this. Wow, you really thought that relationship was going to do good, but look at you now. Did you ever think you were going to go that far? And he messes with us, and he, and he constantly, he, he loves to make you think that God is just mad at you. For you to drop your head, feel embarrassed, walk around with this dark cloud above, above, above your head, like you're just messed up, damaged goods, I, I think he brings these things up because he knows that he can't stop the church, but he sure can try to discourage us from being what the church should be. And I and I know not everybody feels this way, but I think sometimes that spiritual mirror we look up and you say, "Man, I am, I am nothing. I am just." Especially when you compare yourself to other Christians and other people, and you see them thriving for God and. You're thinking, man, why can't I be that person? Why am I always the mess up? Why? Maybe it's a certain sin in your life, and you gravitate to going back to that, and you find yourself, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then you do it again. And that that messes with our minds so much. It's Sometimes you just say, well, I'm going to make a promise to God. I'm not doing that again. Or You go to the altar. You pray with somebody. You pray before you go to bed, and then all of a sudden, you get back in there. And maybe it's not even that extreme. Maybe for some Christians, you've just gotten cold and apathetic. You say, man, if I'm being honest, I haven't cracked my Bible open to pray at all. I haven't been reading. I don't even know when I pray. I just, there is no relationship between me and God, and you've grown distant. It's like a personal relationship where you just lose connection. Then all of a sudden there's this awkwardness of like I, I don't even want to see him or text him because it's like hey I've been gone for so long or where you been and you know what, what happened and we these things mess with our minds I thought of this as Paul was talking about how I sin and I don't mean to and I do all these things and he, he said in Romans 7:24 he said oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of of this death and he's just being honest and he just says man I mess up so much and he just said, I'm just such a wretched person. If I'm, He's like, if I'm being honest, he said, I'm just so messed up. He said, I, I want to do good and I want to I please God, but a lot of times I don't. And I've thought about this even with my kids. I love my kids so much. If I came home and went up to one of my kids and they dropped their head and went the other way, and, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? And they were to come back and say, well, Dad, I just had a bad day. And honestly, I've done some things that you wouldn't be proud of. And if you knew what I did, you would just be mad at me. And I've just been trying to avoid you. I, I wouldn't sit there and say, well, well, that makes sense. Well, then maybe you should stay away from me. You know, it would break my heart. I'd be like, well, then let's fix this. I want to be with you. I'm going to pursue you. I want to, I want to know what's going on. Never ever as a parent do I have the mindset. It's like, well, then maybe you should leave my sight or maybe I don't want you around. I'm never going to feel that way because there's a bond or a connection. There's a love in me they can't stop due to what they've done. It's never going to stop. But in their minds, because of what they've done and because of what they see and because of what they know in their minds, they feel like it is different because of the sin or the problem that is there. I, I never want them to feel this way. I think about even in Adam and Eve. When they sinned, God sought them out. God went looking for them and God does that. Because he's always out to restore the relationship. So this is what I want to do as we close out this reset series. As you sit in your homes, as we, this. I want you to reset in your mind how God views you. Because you say, I know how I view me. Maybe you feel that way. And a lot of us feel that way. You say, I know me and I know how I view me. And maybe God views me the same way. Man, I just, if God was in physical form, I think no, God was in physical form. He was with Jesus. So, so this is a, absolutely a great application. When Jesus was telling this story in Luke chapter 16, and he says, let me tell you my view of you. Let me tell you how I do view you. Let me tell you what I see. Let me tell you how I feel. And I know we have, like in Romans, the doctrinal explanation and stuff like this, but this is a this is a story for you to walk around your life feeling defeated and you to withdraw spiritually or to avoid God or to avoid spiritual things or maybe even in your mindset when it comes back to the church saying, maybe that's just not me. I'm not that type of person. I'm not a good Christian. I'm not good at that. Because when I'm away, all I do is mess up. And, and maybe it's better off if I just avoid that because I don't want to go and be a hypocrite. I don't want to go and pretend to be something. And I don't want to go there pretending like I haven't done all these things or gotten cold towards God. And God says, it's not okay with me. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm going to skip through the whole story and just get to the end of it, because this is a a story that I think I can tell and get get you caught up. Maybe for some of you, this is your first time to hear the story, and I'll just tell you how it is. And maybe for some of you, you've heard this a thousand times. It's a story of the prodigal son. Now, let me just tell it to you in fast motion here, okay? So, he comes to his dad. Jesus is telling the story. And says, so let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a father's love. And here he is sent by his father to show the father's love. So he just tells a story, a prodigal, a son, this, this, this son that went up to his father and says, give me my inheritance. I want all my money. I want out of here. I don't want to live here. I don't want to take over the farm. I don't want to take over the family stuff. I just want out. Give me my stuff. Usually, the son would only get that if the father died. So, in a sense, he was almost saying, I just wish you were dead already, Dad, so I could just have this. Then there's a, this, this separation. He goes into a far country, the Bible says, and he spent all. He, he blew his money, he blew what he had. He hit bottom. There's a famine in the land. Their, their, their type of people didn't go to pigs. He ends up in the pig pen because he had no other job and to survive. The, the, this farmer said, you can feed my pigs and eat what's left. I, that's, that was his life. And then that's, that's how he got so low. But the, you've got to understand the whole story of the prodigal son is a demonstration of how low we can get. So I'm not saying every one of us have hit bottom. And maybe if that's your mindset, I'm not saying that at all. you saying, man, Pastor Tony, you're taking this a little too far. I haven't hit bottom. I'm not saying that. But when Jesus told the story, he told the story as if somebody had hit bottom to say, it doesn't matter where you're at. Let me tell you the story of someone that did this. One day, the boy just wakes up, and he's, he's, he's in this situation. The Bible says in verse 17, and when he came to him, he said, How many of my hired servants of my father's had bread enough to spare, and I perished with hunger? And, 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 he, and he says, I, he just he came to himself. He woke up, and he said, Why am I doing this? But in his mindset, he was like, I, I don't deserve what my dad has, but maybe if I go there, he'll, he'll let me do some jobs and he'll throw me some bread and, and I'll be able to survive. I just, I, I, I know what I've done to my spiritual life or I know what I've done to my physical life. But maybe if I can just get to a survival mode, I'll be okay. You can imagine as he sobers up and he's on his way back and he says, verse 18, he starts describing his mindset so you can see inside the mind of him. Or I could say it like this, you can see inside the mind of us because this is how we think. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So this is his mindset. This is his view of himself. So, and it says in verse 20, "And, and he arose and he came to his father. Now you can imagine the, the, the mindset, the battle. Remember we talking about this, the spiritual warfare that's going in. And you can imagine even as we go through life when we're thinking about maybe spiritual songs that we listen to or Bible studies. We're thinking about church or we life group or whatever. And the thing goes back into our mind and Satan, the accuser, begins to say, you are such a mess up. Do you know what the father is going to say to you when he sees you? You're going to be just so disgusting to him. He's not going to want to see you. Do you even think he'll even talk to you? Do you think he wants you? Do you seriously think in your stinking position and what you've done? Do you remember when he warned you? Do you remember when the father warned you? And said, this is not the way. Why are you doing this, son? Son, don't go. I've got good plans for you. You remember you did that? And now you're going to go back and act like that didn't happen? You talk about... A mindset that is so hard to overcome. And this, this part of it tells us how God views us. In the middle of his mistake, in the middle of our mess, when we stray from God, it says in verse 20, but he was yet a great far away off. His father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. So here's what I want you to understand. Here's a reset button. This is, I want you to get back as Jesus is telling the story and says, well, wait a minute. You don't tell the story. Let me tell you the story. This is how I view you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't, wa- doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter if you just crawled out of the pig pen. No matter what, this is what you need to know about the Father, about our God. See, the thing is, number one, God views you with desire. God views you with desire. The Father saw him and responded with this description. See, Jesus was telling the story, and he's explaining the love that he had and how he feels and how, how he desires us. And, and maybe they're sitting there saying, yeah, as long as we do right, as long as we follow the law, as long as we stay in church, as long as we stay morally pure, as long as we do what's right according to the Bible. Yeah, but what if, you know, what if, what if we really messed up? What if we strayed and nobody knows about it? Man, what if we got into a dating relationship and it's gotten really bad? What if I've gotten with the wrong crowd and I've, I've messed with some things that is really bad? Maybe I'm a teenager, a young person, and man, I've done stuff behind the scenes and my parents don't even know about it. Maybe, maybe I'm in too deep. And Jesus responds and says, let me tell you about the desire. Let me tell you about the Father's desire for you. He says, when he was yet a, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. The father was waiting. He missed him. He, he never stopped looking. He never stopped waiting. Do you understand there was this desire? And the Bible even says in that word right there as he described this father. So, and a lot of times we take, tell this story all from the perspective of the prodigal son. Let me tell you, the son thought and the son felt and the son went and did this and he blew everything and he knew better and he hit all and he spent everything that he had. And then he came to himself. I'm not talking about the son right now. I'm talking about the father. And the father said that it is, the description is he had compassion. The, the opening thing when he saw him making the approach of like maybe hesitantly or, or, or maybe being stand office or maybe from that distance and he saw him. The word compassion means you have an inward desire. Jesus was confessing and he said, I'll tell you, I see all my children that are messed up and gone away and they've dropped out of church and ran from God and got into things. And he said, Let me tell you how I feel about you. I have a strong desire to see you come back. It it means to have sympathy, to have pity, to be moved. Jesus was moved. This, this, is, this was before the son had said one thing. The son didn't show up and say, all right, dad, let me, let me spill it out to you. Let me just lay it out. And then you come to a conclusion before you get mad, dad, before you blow your lid, before you, before you say anything. And maybe he's approaching him and the son's expecting him to say, oh, great, what, what now? Or I told you so. Oh, now you're going to crawl back to me after you've done all this. That, that's how our mindset is. But before the son could even approach the father, before he said one word, before he could give a speech, say, I'm sorry, before he could even say, I'll serve you or I'll do stuff. The father took off running. It says when he was a great way off and according to their history, man, people that were head of the house and things like that, they were dignified and they had those long robes to stand up and run. That that was something that children would do, not a father but it's like he didn't care. He, he pulled up his robe and he began to run as he's holding it, making, allowing his feet to be able to be set free, to run to his child. You can imagine as the son sitting there saying, man, is my dad that mad? Is he going to cut me off before people see me? Is he that embarrassed of me? What's my dad about to do? What's wrong with him? Because we don't understand. And sometimes we have so many of these lies going on in our head, but you've got to understand this was personal with God. It wasn't just about church building and kingdom building and all these other things. No, it came down to one thing. It was a father and a child and the father wanting to get to the child as fast as he could. Sometimes we view our relationship with God based on what we do for God or what we give to God or how much we tithe or how much we're involved in missions or how much we attend church. There was nothing going on with this. The son had nothing to offer the father. All it was was the father wanting to get to the son as soon as possible. And he fell on his neck. Fell on his neck. And I know that's so just, just, just read that. And he said to you got to understand this, this father that just, if you've ever seen people that haven't seen each other in a long time or relationships broken or you can see the compassion that they have and they just literally fall on each other and begin to weep and probably fell to the ground and just holding each other. It's been a long time since this boy had ever been held. Been rejected and pushed away, cussed at, no, no acceptance whatsoever. He embraced him. He held him. The idea to be pursued by God when you don't deserve it, the idea to be held by God. I, I can't even fathom that. I mean, to, to be messed up, it'd be one thing if God says, All right, you come, come inside, you can have a room, but just I, I'd clean yourself up, you're disgusting. And the fact that God reached down and, and just held him and loved him and, and wept on him and he fell on him and his neck and he kissed him. A kiss is a declaration of love, is affection. To understand that God is affectionate towards us, of understanding that it's not just the fact that God saw us in our sin and God saved us because we were gonna die and go to hell and he cared enough about it. It was the fact that a relationship is to embrace, to love, to hold, To kiss. In such a way to say to him, even while he smelt terrible, even though he was in that ragged position of there to say, do you have any idea how much I've missed you? Do you have any idea of how much I love you? See, the point of this is the love of God never changed. His affection for him, his desire for him, none of that ever, it never changed. His position changed and the relationship changed and the distance changed. The sin that he was in, all those things, that it was different. But the love of the father that he had for that child never changed. It was unconditional. I ask you this question: Where have you been? What have you done? What have you gotten yourself into? Maybe you're just so passive that spiritual things have not even been in your mind. And maybe you've just reached a spot that you've gotten into some pretty heavy stuff. And you're coming back saying, man, I'm, my life stinks. If I was to approach God like this, he would just be disgusted. So Jesus tells the story and says, not disgusted. Filled with desire to see you come back. I, I ran to him. I hugged him. I kissed him. I wanted him there. Have you hit bottom? Have you messed up? I just want to say this, no matter what, God desires you. No matter what, no matter what, God loves you. And He's been waiting for you. You say, I've heard this, but I just can't get past what I've done in my mind. I just, I can't visualize that. So, Here's the first thing. God views you with desire. Here's the second thing. You need to reset your mind to understand. God approaches us with grace. Because you know what you deserve. You know what's coming to you. Because everything has consequences. And you say, man, if I got what I deserved, and, and the son's saying, I'm going to brace for what I deserve the son just puts it out here. You you can imagine as he puts it out there and just, dad, dad, you can imagine this. Like, dad, I'm glad to see you too. But in the only words he gets out of his mouth are these, listen. And the son said unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven. said, dad, (laughs) it wasn't just you that I crossed. Dad, I, I didn't just, I just didn't disgrace you. I didn't just go off and, and, and sin and leave you behind. I didn't just mess up our family name. You've got to understand the things that I've done, I, I've done against God, I've done against heaven. You've got to understand what I've done. I've crossed some lines. I've done some things. I, I, I've made some mistakes. Dad, if you only knew what I did, and in thy sight, this was his mindset. He said, in thy sight, I am no more worthy to be called thy son, worthy literally means that, that word, and that means I'm, I don't deserve this. Dad, I, I am no longer, I have crossed a line that it's, there's a point of no return. Dad, I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. You, you see, in his mind, I, I deserve maybe to be a servant, but not a son. I deserve to work my way through this. I deserve to earn this. But Dad, I just don't want to starve. The true, true response from God would be that that is very true, You have crossed the line. You've gone too far. You've done. You have messed up. You did create this, but there's a truth that we have to understand that that is where sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. Do you understand? It doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter what addiction you've created. It doesn't matter who you've let down. It doesn't matter the sexual immorality. It doesn't matter who you've hurt or what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter. You've got to understand where sin did abound, where it was growing and increased and took over. Grace did much more abound. Literally meaning that the grace of God, when it encounters you, is greater. It literally means that you can't out put so much sin in your life and do so much that all of a sudden God's grace is ineffective in your life. And by the way, grace just literally means that when you encounter God and you come back and you restore and you you come back to God in that attitude, it literally means that God approaches you giving you what you'd never deserved in the first place. God responds with action. In this passage, it would have been great for God to go in and say, let me explain justification or let me explain the mercy of God. Let me explain. But God telling the story of the father doesn't even do that. He just says in verse 22, but the father said to his servant, he's like, oh, wait right there. Because you, you understand that actions speak louder than words. And the father just responds to him and says, um, okay, you guys come over here bring forth the best robe and put it on him and the ring, put it on his hand and the shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. The father through his actions was like, servant, you wanna be my slave? That's not how I work. Actually, let me, let me prove something to you. Put my robe on him. Put the ring that represents our family's seal on his finger. The boy has been hungry. I want you to give him what he needs. The boy has been alone. I want you to clean him up. All these things that you don't deserve. And all of a sudden he's being put into this position that is not what he deserved. The Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is... Therefore, now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that God says, for those that are the children of God, those, those that are saved, He said, it's not conditional. It's not what you have done. It's positional. It's who you are or where you're at. You are now in Jesus Christ. You understand, no matter what my kids do, they are my children. They, they will bear the DNA of their mom and dad. They, they will have. That mark of being a lienzo for the rest of their life. They are my children. And it doesn't matter what they go off and do. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter. Nothing will do that or underdo that. At the end of this passage in Romans, he ends this and he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he makes this big list of situations. But the thing right there just says, let me tell you, you are in Christ Jesus. You are a child of God and it doesn't matter. No pig pen, no immorality, No sin, no running off can ever separate us from the love of God. You can't undo this. You can't undo the love of God. You can't stop the love of God. You can't sin too much to be undesired by God. And you say, that doesn't make sense. Welcome to the love of God. It doesn't make sense. It goes beyond us because it was never based on what you did. And it can't be changed by what you do. His love was what the son encountered from the Father, the desire that the Father had, the grace that he encountered. But let me close with this one. See, God views us with the desire. God approaches us with grace and God restores us with joy. I can imagine as the son's coming back and he made such a spectacle when he left. And everybody knew that this, these, these two sons that were going to inherit everything and one left. And they said, what an idiot. Why did he do that? I can't believe he would have all this and walk out. How could he do that to his dad? And the son probably came back going, man, I'm so embarrassed. Dad, keep it quiet. <laughs> dad, don't say anything. They don't make a scene, Dad. Can't I just slip in? Can't I just go to the back room? Can't I just do this? And listen, the father says this. He says, for this, my son was dead and is yet alive, is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to be married. He makes this declaration to everyone. He stands up. You can imagine the father standing up saying, hey, everyone gather around. This is my son. You say, why would he say that? The the, the son just whispered to daddy. He said, can I just be your servant? And the dad stands up and makes a declaration, oh, no. And he said, by the way, just so everybody around here knows, this is my boy. This is my son. I don't care what he looks like right now. I don't care how bad he smells. I don't care where he's been. And by the way, that's not the topic of conversation. By the way, the father in this story never brings all this up. All he does is encounter the repented son that falls at his feet and says, dad, let me back. Let Dad, just let me serve you. And I'm sorry. He stood there and ripped up clothes, smelling like a pig, smelling like sin. And he's like, Dad, this is how I feel. I, I feel unworthy. And, then, and the fact is, the father changes all this in this moment and says, You are not a second class citizen, you will not come back as damaged goods. Everything that the father was doing in this story right here was to prove to him that you are not a slave. You are not a servant. You are my son. My son is returned, and I will celebrate. No matter what, you matter to God. No matter what, you're loved by God. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. And let's just put it out there. Yes, you will mess up. And maybe, yes, you have messed up. And maybe, yes, you have things in your life right now that have put a big division between you and God. And you feel it. You can experience You know what it is? You, you, it's in your mind. We get away. We drop the ball. We, we do things that make us so fe- feel un- so unworthy. And I want to warn you that Satan will work on you all day long to mess with your mind to say, You are just a mess up. And God doesn't care less about you now. He will drive you away from the relationship that God desires to have with you. He will mess with you all day long. I just, I'm just asking, you need to reset your mind to the facts of this. Here's the facts. Jesus sitting with all those people and He says, Let me tell you about mess ups. Let me tell you about those that had it all together. They ran off and hit bottom, then come back. I desire them. I want them so bad. I want to hold them. I want to love them. I I, I will kiss their face. I will pull them back. I will show them grace. They need to know right now, you come back to the Father and you're going to get what you don't deserve. And then there's the restoration that comes with joy, that God celebrates that. He pulls you back. He gives you what you don't deserve, but he puts you back as a child. In, in the church, I don't care. You can look around and see all the people wearing whatever clothes and having their lives together and singing the songs and being on the stage, and you have this life. Do you understand there's nobody that walks into any church that's any less important to God? Nobody that is ever labeled as damaged goods, second rate, messed up. Nobody. So maybe it's time to reset some things in your mind so you understand. God loves you no matter what. And maybe you've gotten away. But I tell you, it's time to come back to a loving father that's been waiting for you, wanting you, and he views you as his child, not a messed up person that got away. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth. Lord, I know that there's not a person listening to this that has not gotten away in some way and not messed up in some way. But Lord, I'm concerned about what Satan does in our hearts and minds as he, he reaches into our heads and, and whispers into our ears and tells us that the Father won't love us and we're messed up and we've gone too far this time. Lord, help us to have the mindset. Help us to have view us, Lord, through your eyes of understanding that we are loved and accepted and desired. Lord, you want to care for us. You want to restore us. Thank you, God, for the grace of God that you give us that we don't deserve. We pray these things in your name, amen.